You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today I kind of gave a little bit of a preview of it yesterday. I said that we were going to be listening to the interview with Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC with Dan Moore, and that's going to happen. But on top of that, we're going to be talking about how the quarterback position is so important to actually Texas A&M when looking at these teams in the SEC. There's only one place to get your SEC knowledge five days a week, and that would be with Locked On SEC and host Chris Gordy from Sports Talk 790. Follow the Locked On SEC podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this more quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man related content found here on LOP. You can always subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So, the middle of the show is going to be the Chris Gordy interview, but I did want to start off talking about the quarterback battle. As much as I think anybody would like to see um, Eli Stowers from Denton Geyer get the opportunity in year one, the battle is going to be between Haynes King and Zach Calzada, and... From what it seems like from Jimbo Fisher's last presser at the coaches' night in Houston, it just feels like Haynes has got the lead just a little bit. And maybe it's because of, I mean, both were, don't get me wrong, both were, of course, scouted and recruited by Fisher. But Fisher was still trying to get his feet wet. He still was, you know, trying to make sure that he was settled in the program when he got there. And Calzada was just like kind of the guy. King was really the first big QB recruit at AM that spent time to go work underneath Fisher to kind of get there. When they signed him to that deal for the 2020 class, they were doing that because they were like, all right, let's go out. Let's make sure that we get our future guy. And, you know, of course, there's guys, there's the upcoming kid from Bridgeland, there's the Eli Stowers. There's a lot of different ways you can go, but it just feels like right now, Haynes King is the guy. And I think going into next season for Texas A&M, the quarterback position might actually be the most important one to address. If I'm really going to be honest with y'all, and I break this down, and I think about it more and more, when you look at the SEC West, Arkansas, the only way they're going to win it out is if a lot of players just either break out into superstar talent or every other team gets really hurt. Arkansas is still about a year away, but their defense is top-notch. Like, their defense is damn good. So they're going to be set at least in that spot. When you look at uh, Auburn, yeah, they're going to need Bo Nix to be on point. Look at Mississippi State. They're going to need Will Rogers to be on point. You look at Alabama. They have a good defense, but they're going to need Bryce Young to start showing why he was the number one recruit in 2020. When you look at Ole Miss, Matt Coral is a name that is starting to get first-round buzz in the NFL draft circle. So you look at the teams in the SEC West. Oh, and by the way, Max Johnson or Miles Brennan for LSU. It's a quarterback-eccentric room in the SEC next year, especially in the SEC West. The weaker quarterback probably costs you a game. That's just the reality of it. 
And I think what's really funny is when you look at the SEC East, whoever is the quarterback that's better between Emory Jones or JT Daniels, and I, I personally believe right now, JT Daniels is the Zach Wilson of the 2021 class. Guy had a couple starts, guy played pretty well. You know, maybe he's a second round grade, maybe he's a fifth round grade. We don't really know. Then it becomes a top five pick. Like like that, like I believe JT Daniels has that ability. Because JT Daniels was never going to lose his starting job, if not for an injury at USC. He didn't lose out and then go, okay, I'm transferring. He lost out because he was injured and Keldon Slow and Keaton Slovis just outplayed his number two spot. They couldn't give, up, give him back the job. It's one of those where it's a lose situation for him, but it's a lose situation not on his own merit. So I look at that, very similar to Mackenzie Milton with Dylan Gabriel. But I look at that, and the quarterback position is just so important. So you look at Haynes King, you look at Zach Calzada, one of these two has got to pick up. King's athletic ability provides Fisher an opportunity to expand his playbook. More bootlegs, more of RPOs, more of rollouts, more of what we saw in the spring game. He's a West Coast guy that plays better in a West Coast system. There's not a lot of quarterbacks that he has in the past that have worked that way. Even Jameis Winston, everyone talks about how he's a dual threat guy and how he moved around the pocket and all that. Well, yeah, he's fast. He was good. That was why. It wasn't because of, oh, he was so much better. But again, apparently, King also runs a sub 4-5 in the 40. Like, that's amazing. You don't see most guys do that. And even though he was a pocket-passing quarterback, one of the things that people said that made him the number one pocket-passing quarterback in Texas was his mobility. And mobility is a strange word. Everyone wants to say mobility means you're a dual-threat guy. No, mobility means you have great footwork in the pocket. It allows you to maneuver outside of pressure. It allows you to step into plays and work downfield. That's what I look at when I look at pressure. That's what I look at when I look at footwork and mobility. You're keeping drives alive consistently. And I think AM has that with a guy like King. Calzada, sorry for the voice crack, but Calzada is the guy who is your stereotypical Mac Jones type player. And I think the reason why we're so hesitant to name a starting quarterback at Texas AM wasn't because of the spring game. I think it was more so because Daryl Dickey and Jimbo know that Calzada is what they're best with. The pro-style offense. That's what they're going to run. That's what they like. That's what they do. That's where they thrive. And as much as I think Calzada is a good player, and I think that eventually if he does lose out this job, he should transfer and he should land as a top guy at a smaller school. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what's best for your career and it's what's going to make you a superstar. Even if it's for two years, maybe even three if you're lucky because you're a red shirt. I look at all that and I go, okay. So let's pretend... That, you know, if, if Jimbo's not if Jimbo's not willing to move off of his system and expand the playbook, maybe Calzada is the guy. But I don't think either of that really matters. I think whichever quarterback is best for the job has to start. And they definitely have to start by October 9th against Alabama. But they have to start for no other reason than the sheer fact of when you break it down... The reality is, 
quarterback's going to win you the division. Quarterback's going to win the SEC. This is the first time in a while where I look at this roster and I go, okay, yeah, every team has good has good players at positions. Some have better offensive lines. Some have better defenses. Some have better you know wide receivers. Some have really good defensive backs. It's the quarterback that's going to decide it. And most times in the SEC, it didn't really matter if the quarterback decided because again, Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. If you really break it down throughout most of the season, they were neck and neck. Towards the end, Burrow pulled away. And consensusly, if you put the two numbers together for the two years to combine, they really are very similar style. They're really similar production quarterbacks. Completely different style of quarterbacks, but very similar production quarterbacks. But you ever notice that those were the two? And Jake Fromm, great name, going to be remembered in Georgia history books forever, was not that same type of player. Quarterback matters. Now, more than possibly ever. And you look at Lane Kiffin with Matt Coral, perfect fit. You look at uh, Will Rogers with Mike Leach, perfect fit. Bryce Young in Alabama, no idea. Max Johnson or, uh, yeah, Miles Brennan with the offense at hand in LSU, no idea. Brian Harson, more of a West Coast guy, with Bo Nix, maybe it works out. Quarterback matters. Oh, JT Daniels. Let's throw him in there and Emory Jones. Let's throw both of them in there. Because again, I still think in the East, it's those two teams. The best quarterback of the 10 next season is going to be the winner of the SEC. The one who is leading in the statistical categories, production, but also looks the cleanest, is going to be hoisting that SEC trophy. I can bank on that right now. So if it is Haynes King and Haynes King gives you your best bet, you have to start Haynes King. If it is Zach Calzada, because if he fits your offense better, and he is going to get better numbers than what King can do, I know a lot of people like Haynes King, but you have to start Zach Calzada. The quarterback who works best for your system is going to get you there. The reality is, last season, I don't know if that was the case. Because Mac Jones, was he going to be a really starter until last year? And would he have worked with Kirby Smart? Would he have worked with Dan Mullen? Because Kyle Trask actually was just as good as a quarterback last year. And I'm not sure either of them are going to work in the NFL. But they were the two that were in Atlanta. So again, quarterbacks win. Quarterback, you live and die by it. You're really going to live and die by it in 2021. Especially in the SEC. You know, we had to go into an auto shop and pay all these extra fees because of you either have to do an installment fee or you have to do a shipping fee and then you have to have, you know, a tipping fee, like all like all these other things. And you can do it yourself at home for a fraction of the price, but you don't know where to shop. Simple. I'll get you started. You go to rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have everything from engine modules to tail lights to brake pads to tail lamps. So whatever you're trying to do, whether it be refurbishing a cult classic or just doing it something to your daily driver, they have the parts. And their unique catalog gets you right to where you need to go. And their prices are always at the best bargain deal. Go visit rockauto.com and type in locked on on the how'd you hear about section so they know that we sent you. It's amazing selections, reliably low prices, and all the auto parts you will ever need. Rockauto.com is the place to be. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas AM. 
I already told this yesterday, Dan Moore is going to be a big-time factor in the Steel City, probably because of he is a left tackle. I don't know if he's going to play left tackle, I don't know if he's going to play right tackle, but when you look at everything that was lost by Pittsburgh, I do think he will start sooner than later, and because of that, you know that he's going to be a name to watch for. So, thankfully, Chris Gordy of Locked On SEC is stepping in on this next segment to break down his interview with the former Texas A&M left tackle. Dan, walk us through what it was like when you found out you were getting drafted by the Steelers. So it, it's really funny because um, the night before, um, I was a little I was a little upset about not going that night before. But um, when I char- when I went to sleep, I charged my phone, or at least I thought I was. Um, so I woke up with like fifteen percent battery. Um, so when I was waiting for my name to be called, um, my phone was slowly, slowly dying. So I went inside actually to start charging my phone. And I saw that the Colts had 127, the Steelers had 128. We were at 126 at the, at the time. And um, I knew both of those teams uh, were two potential teams that could have picked me. So immediately I start just looking at my phone and um, literally right when I put it on the charger, before I could even lock it, Pittsburgh Steelers popped up. So I hurried up, jumped up, ran outside in front of everybody because they were still all outside in the garage. And um yeah, man, it was it was a surreal moment. It was it was everybody was congratulating me. Everybody was happy for me, of course. But it was nice to spend that time with my family. I love that you said you have that chip on your shoulder. Not going, you know, earlier is that the mentality you go up to Pittsburgh with, or do you just kind of move on from that? You know, the draft positioning where you were drafted. Do you move on from that now? Most definitely, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, obviously, you you know your predictions or, or where your projections or where your uh, predicted to go, but um, usually when that doesn't happen, it, it could it could be a little hurtful, especially when you have people around you. You know, embarrassment, um, defeat, maybe a little bit. But hey, at the end of the day, like you said, um, I try to stay optimistic and basically convince myself, like regardless of what it is. And I mean, not even convincing myself, but it's a privilege to even have your name called um, in within those three days. So I think it was a blessing within itself. Um, I ended up in a a good situation playing for a great organization, a great team um, with a great foundation. So that that was something else. But also having that chip on my shoulder as well, like, hey, um, all the teams that passed on me, like, yeah, you'll regret that for sure. we got some teams on the hit list most definitely. So so who is it you talk to? Is it Kevin Colbert, the GM? Is it uh, Mike Tomlin? Who, who do you get to talk to on, when they call you? I talked to uh, Mike Tomlin. He was the one on the phone at first and, um, he basically told me, hey, we're going to make you a Pittsburgh Steelers next pick if you're cool with that. And, of course, I'm like, heck, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, let's get it. Um, so, yeah, he passed the phone over to uh, the GM, and I talked to the GM. And, um, obviously, the owner was at the time was making the, the pick uh, or giving the pick. So, I, I talked to uh, the position coach, the O-line coach, and then I talked to the assistant O-line coach. Talking with Pittsburgh Steeler Dan Moore, offensive tackle. Do you feel like playing at a high level? Because we know how good the SEC is, but you played at such a high level against some elite-level competition when we talk about some of those D linemen across the SEC at LSU, at Alabama. Uh, Do you feel like playing at a high level against that elite-level competition in the SEC is what prepared you for the next level? Most definitely. And that that was something, uh, part of my recruitment. Um, That was part of my decision. Uh, that was a huge factor going to the SEC, seeing the amount of NFL talent that gets drafted every year. Um, as you saw this year, the most amount of players in the draft came from the SEC. Um, and that's that's been proven year in and year out. Uh, so 
essentially when you go play in the SEC, you're thinking you're going to be facing NFL talent every week, and, and that's what I wanted to do. That's, I, I wanted to play against the best and prepare myself for where I wanted to be in the future. More with former Texas A&M Aggie Dan Moore after this. here locked on sec appreciate you guys for listening and subscribing we are recapping still what happened over the weekend in the nfl draft as the sec set a record for 65 guys taken in the nfl draft most of any school ever every school in the sec had a guy drafted and one of those guys join us right now we continue our conversation with texas a&m offensive lineman dan moore now with the pittsburgh steelers well, let me ask you this, because kind of cool. This doesn't always happen that you get to, t- uh, you know, team up with one of your teammates coming with you. They take you in the fourth round. Later in the fourth round, they take uh, Buddy Johnson, another A and M guy uh, on the defensive side, of linebacker. What's what was that like uh, having texting him or calling him and find out both of you guys are going to the same place? It was amazing, and I found out just because um, I was doing media at the time. And they said his name and said, hey, we'll have uh, Project Johnson on next. And I'm like, huh? And so I checked my phone and I went back outside and everybody's like, they got your teammates, a linebacker. And I'm like, whoa. So, yeah, that's, that's really exciting. Um, me, me and Buddy, we're really good friends. We're really close. We hang out a lot. We work out together. Um, that's, that's my guy, man. Regardless of him playing on the other side of the ball, we're, we're still tight. Well, let me ask you about another guy who uh, the, the, the Texans ended up picking up. He went undrafted, but... Uh, Ryan McCollum uh, from uh, Texas A&M also played with you on the offensive line. What uh, what are the Texans getting in, in Ryan? Uh, Phil General. Um, he was the I think he was the leader of that offensive line. Um, he directed us and wherever we had to go, pointing out mics, calling out blitzes. Um, he had to have eyes in the back of his head, on the side of his head, everywhere, man. And he did a great job, honestly. All right, Dan, you got drafted. You're about to get paid. What is the first thing you're going to buy? Honestly, I'm a, I, re, I, I live very modestly, so it's probably all going to the bank. Um, just It's going to sit there and, and stay there. So I, I may spend a little bit of it. I may take care of mom and dad, but other than that, that's it. Man. Well, you're going up to the AFC North, some really good teams up there. Is there is there a player or two that you're really looking forward to going up against at the next level? Man, I, I, I know um, I'll be playing against Miles Garrett every every year, twice a year, so uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Talking with Dan Moore, obviously offensive tackle for the Texas, for, from Texas A&M. Now he's headed up to the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, fourth-round draft pick of them. And, and, Dan, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, last season at Texas A&M. I think a lot of people thought you guys deserved a chance at the playoff didn't get in, but you took advantage. You went to the Orange Bowl and beat the snot out of North Carolina. Just, just talk about last season at Texas A&M, playing for Coach Jimbo Fisher. It didn't go how you guys wanted it, but but at least you ended it with an exclamation point. Most definitely. And, and we were devastated about that game, but or about that uh, situation, us not getting into the college playoffs. But um, we, we kept that chip on our shoulder going into the bowl game, and we wanted to prove uh, why we deserve to be in that in that top four rankings. So um, hopefully, hopefully we did something uh, bright that senior class and, and started something good for the future. One more question: Another uh, one of your teammates went with the second pick of the third round. A lot of people thought, you know, he should have been a, a second or maybe even back into the first round pick. But Kellen Mond, your 
your signal caller for the last handful of years. You know, uh, some people maybe pinned him at times as game manager, which I always say there's nothing wrong with that. That means you're you're good. <laughs> you're getting the job done. But what do you make of Kellen Mond and uh, him going to the next level with the Minnesota Vikings? Man, I don't think people really understand the amount of uh, work that Kellen puts in. Um, just the preparation, his demeanor, uh, the way he leads. He, you, he, the the way the guy is. You just wanna, you wanna play for him. You wanna elevate your game. He just makes guys around him better. And I think, I think that's what an organization wants in a quarterback. Um, so I think the Minnesota Vikings got to steal. Most definitely got to steal out of that guy. All right, last one for you. The the Texas A&M run game was dominant last year, and you guys up front were a big reason for that. But Isaiah Spiller, A. Shane, Anaya Smith, all those guys are back. Uh, what kind of year are those guys going to have this year? Phenomenal, all of them. And the versatility as well. Um, Spiller being able to play fullback and be able to block in the backfield for, for guys. Um, Anaya Smith being able to line up at slot or even wide out, um, and A-Chain being versatile as he is, man, he's a he's a track star as well. So I don't think a lot of people know that he's on the track team right now. So, um, man, that backfield is very explosive, and um, I think they're going to have a phenomenal year. Make sure you guys are following Chris Gordy and Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast listening systems. The one thing that's never too early to bet on is odds when talking about the 2022 NFL Draft. And Texas A&M is one of those few teams that people are already saying will have at least three, if not five players taken in the first round. So if you want to go make that bet right now, whatever odds it is, make sure you go to the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline.ag gives you the best buyouts, the best bets, and the best plays every single time you follow them on social media at BetOnline underscore AG. Stop staying on the sidelines and get into the action. When you go visit BetOnline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. In 25 minutes or less, Peter Bukowski and the Locked On Today crew will get you caught up on everything you need to know about the major realm of sports. That goes from college football to the NFL to the NBA to the MLB. Follow them on social media, subscribe to them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Before we close out the show, I just want to go talk a little bit about the SEC in general and DeMarvin Leal. Now, why do I want to talk about DeMarvin Leal specifically? Well, according to 24-7 Sports, they came out with their top 10 list of every player in every major conference. And including that list, DeMarvin Leal was the one player from Texas A&M who made the top 10. Uh, He finished in as the number six player and the second highest defensive lineman behind Will Anderson at Alabama, who came in at number five. Crawford had a lot of good things to say about the third-year player. A former five-star signee who has improved in his first two seasons on campus, DeMarvin Leal enters his junior campaign with a point to prove as a productive pass rusher. A player with great size at 6'4", 290 pounds, Leal started every game for the Aggies and has some huge moments as a sophomore, forcing turnovers and showing freakish athleticism. He finished the 10-game season with 37 tackles, 7 tackles for losses, 2.5 sacks, 8 quarterback hurries, an interception, 3 pass deflections, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Leal is a leader and a unit of a uh, that ranked inside the top 10 nationally and likely will do so again. The question is, 
who was ahead of Liao? Because if I believe that Liao's a top 10 player 100% in the SEC, but I think that he would probably be in your more of your top five range. I definitely know who I would put at number one. And surprisingly, it's not a quarterback. It instead is a defensive player, but I want to see who they have in their top five. We already know one, and it's Will Anderson. Will Anderson, the uh, the Alabama defensive end linebacker, he definitely is going to be a big impact. Again, Alabama runs that 3-4 defense, uses players left and right to be able to build up that pass rush and terrorize quarterbacks every single snap. His number four player is a guy that I think is a lot of people are going to be put on notice, and that's Charles Cross from Mississippi State. I agree with that. Listen, offensive tackles... Compared to interior defensive linemen, even if you are a superstar interior defensive lineman, if you can be a franchise left tackle, you're always going to be considered a little bit higher. And there's a comparison to him right now where people are saying he could be a big-time player who is the next Makai Becton-style guy. I mean, we're talking about superstar size, great footwork, great drive, future left tackle for whichever team really needs him. Some are saying that if you play him at right tackle, it's going to be deadly if you were to say land with the New York Jets. Number three is JT Daniels. And again, as much as I think Haynes King is going to pop, as much as I think that Zach Calzada can work for, you know, this offense with Daryl Dickey, JT Daniels to me is the number one quarterback in the in the NFL draft circles who is not getting enough attention. And he absolutely is the number one quarterback in the SEC. Ever since he took the starting job from Stetson Bennett, he was impressive. He was everything Jake Fromm was not and everything that Justin Fields isn't, but in a positive way what Justin Fields isn't. When Justin Fields left, and because Jake Fromm was getting the starting job under Kirby Smart, I think a lot of people were turned off by it. But instead, you're getting what I think a lot of people thought Jake Fromm could be in JT Daniels. Number two on the list was Evan Neal. This is one of the only two restart, uh, starting returning offensive linemen for Alabama. But he absolutely could be the best left tackle that A&M has seen, not A&M, Alabama has seen in years. And my number one player and the number one player on Brad Crawford's list are the same. To me, the best defensive player in the draft, or I mean the best defensive player in the SEC is Derek Stingley. Stingley, since coming on to Baton Rouge, has been a can't-miss guy. Last season, even on a struggling defense, he made 27 tackles, 2.5 tackles for losses, Five pass breakups, a forced fumble, and recovered a fumble in seven games. He needs to get a little bit better at causing interceptions. But when he has caused interceptions, that was in 2019. Two were returned for touchdowns. Of the four he caused, he's done it. This is exactly the type of guy that you want. And this is a guy who I don't think is going to get that love in that respect. But if I had to say so... There's a very good shot I could see him being the number one cornerback taken off the board in 2022. But honestly, depending on the team and depending on where they're drafting, could you make an argument that if he has such a breakout year, he is the number one player drafted in 2022? I wouldn't be shocked by it. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. We'll be back tomorrow to talk all things Texas A&M. See you then. And remember, you me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.